Blog Talk Radio. Alright fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. Two times in 98-92 on a Wednesday, July 27th from Cavala, Greece. 
former WBO super lightweight champion Cristina Leonardo returns after having a baby to score a unanimous decision over Alexandra Vujovic in a six-rounder at 140 pounds. Scores there were 60-55, 59-55, and 58-57. And the fight that we could touch on a little bit on Friday, July 29th in Montreal, Canada, the hold of Mexican Yesenia Gómez on the WBC 108-pound title has finally been broken. The Canadian Kim Clavel scored a lopsided unanimous decision 190 and 99-91 two times in the much-anticipated and finally done fight. This fight had been rescheduled two or three times. It finally happened in Montreal, Canada on Friday, July 29th. Loopy, did you get a chance to see the fight? And what were your thoughts? Loopy, do you have it on mute? I was on mute. The Kim Clavel, I think I only saw a bit of it. And from what I saw, Kim, uh, Kim, uh, Yesenia was outgunned by Kim Clavel. And it was such a fight that I was so looking forward to it, and I only got bits and pieces. Did anybody get to see it? I did, I did get to see it. I did get to see it in its entirety. David, did you get to see it? Yes, I did. Yes, uh, I did, and I did a wrote a story on it. Um, I thought it was a really entertaining fight. At first, it seemed that uh, that uh, Clavel was just uh, hit and run style, and then she kind of settled down, and it became a, a shootout. And it, it was very exciting. Uh, Clavel just quicker to the draw and. And uh, every round was really close, but Clavel won most of them, in my opinion. She won them all, almost all. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, and I agree with you, David. It was closer than the scores would tell us, 190, 99, 91. But the, each round was close because Yesenia was doing some work in there, and maybe she deserved one more round. I don't remember what I scored it, but I know that I didn't score 91. Yeah. Maybe 8-2 or 7-3. Um, but um, but I agree with you that the rounds were close, but Clavel did a, just a little bit more. She was a little bit faster yeah. to the punch. Um, she was a little bit more committed to her attack than Yesenia Gomez. Yesenia Gomez kind of in the second half kind of started kind of like kind of like withering in a certain way, and um, and, and Clavel took advantage and was able to finish pretty strong. And it almost looked like she almost knocked her out in the last couple of rounds, if not the last round, I, I believe, David. Yeah, yeah, she looked very – I was impressed by Clavel. Um, I expected something different, and uh, she gave a really entertaining fight, very entertaining. Now, Clavel, 16-0 with three knockouts, joins Evelyn Bermudez and Jessica Neri Plata as world champions at junior flyweight. Bermudez is the IBF and WBO champion, as we mentioned before. And Neri Plata is the WBA 108-pound champion, a title that she captured on March 11th by beating um, uh, Tutti Bob, Jessica Tutti Bob. And Guadalupe Bautista is a regular champion from Mexico City. She's going to be seeing some action pretty soon. I think we're going to mention it in the, in the fight calendar in a, non-title, in a non-title fight. So... Uh, King Clavel, now the newly crowned WBC champion, much, much uh, desired WBC title. And we'll see if her promoter out there in Canada, I think it's uh, Yvonne Michelle, can lure uh, 
Evelyn Bermudez or Nettie Plata into Canada to unify against Kim Clavel, which could be, as far as visas are concerned, a lot easier to get into Canada as a Mexican or maybe even as an Argentinian than the United States. So, I mean, if the money's there, I'm sure that either Evelyn Bermudez or Nettie Plata will be more than willing to go up there and to uh, face Clint Convell in a, in a unification fight. Also on Friday, July 29th in Kosovo, Fabiana Bitiki uh, fought with uh, Elizabeth Lopez in a 10 round split draw. Uh, so she ended up defending her WBC atom weight, 102 pound title scores. There were 97, 94 before Bitiki 97, 96 for Lopez and then even 96 and 96 on Thursday, August 4th in Montebello, California, Chelsea Anderson scored a unanimous decision over Ida Santibaldinova for the vacant WBC international 135 pound title. Scores there were 78 74 and 77 75 two times. David, I believe you were there in the eight rounds, yeah. which I find it I kind of a little bit uh, strange that a, a, a WBC international uh, title is only scheduled for eight rounds. Usually, I mean, as far as, as we can see in their uh, website, the important titles, I mean, you got the Continental Americas, you got the Intercontinental, and those type of titles, NABF, which is kind of like the minor leagues of the WBC, but females, females don't really fight for those type of titles. Females usually fight for the full-flex title, you know, the world title. Then they do like an interim title if need be, or sometimes if not need be, but they fight for an interim title. Then they fight for a silver title or an international title, which is considered somewhat important and gets you ranked perhaps in the top 10 of the sanctioning body, in this case, the WBC. So I find it kind of strange that it was only scheduled at eight rounds. But tell us about uh, the fight and what did you see in Chelsea Anderson, who ended up winning the, the fight uh, via United decision? Well, for people that aren't aware of Chelsea uh, Anderson, she's uh, trained by Aaron Tolio, uh, who is a very good fighter. And uh, Anderson's a really hard-hitting uh, uh, super featherweight. And uh, she's tall, and she's got power in both hands. And um, uh, Aida Sadibaldinova, I've seen her from the beginning. She's from Kazakhstan. And, uh, but I hadn't seen her in a couple of years. And mm-hmm. she improved a lot. She really did. Uh, I don't know who's been working with her. I, I know she's been here and there in Southern California. I think the last I saw her was in Southgate. But her defense has improved because Anderson was trying her best to set her up for the knockout, and she couldn't do it. Uh, Sadi uh, Baldinova was a little too slick. Uh, it was a very close fight, and uh, but I thought Anderson pulled it out and won. But it, they're both in the 30s, so they don't really have time to, to be, you know, going after setup fights. So they go after people like themselves. And uh, it was a very entertaining fight, really good. Were you at that fight, Lupi? No, I wasn't. Um, oh, I thought you, I thought you, I, you were know, dying here. Lady, um, Aida, they call her Lady Sparta. She, mm-hmm. I spoke to her after. She was really happy with the outcome and how she did. Um, she's mm-hmm. with Carlos Rodriguez out of um, Jerry Memorial, Jerry O'Toole's Memorial. And he oh, no, have, yeah, and he has to, he had a stable, a constant stable of great boxers, but there was a time maybe before COVID, and if, um, he had Heaven Garcia, nationally ranked. Um, he had a whole bunch of girls, Heaven Garcia, Myra Ruiz, 
there was a quite a few. So seeing him take Lady Sparta, I knew she was going to come with something. She was really happy with with the outcome, with how she did. She she really improved her skills a lot. Now, before we take a little bit of a deep dive in her record, because it's pretty interesting, Chelsea Anderson, you mentioned that she's 30. She's 31 years old, David. Now, before we do that, did she have some kind of a, of a amateur career, Loopy, Chelsea Anderson? I, you know, maybe a little bit, but not that I know, like you know her name and you go, yeah, Chelsea. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it, right, David? Uh, well, no, I spoke to her trainer, Aaron. She told me she had six fights very quickly uh, just to get her, you know, into it. And uh, But they knew that – I think she also was was uh, involved in martial arts, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Muay Thai or something like that. But uh, and she, she did transition into amateur boxing for about six fights. And she's, is she being kind of like, you know, guided by – Tom Loeffler, who was the promoter for the fight card in Montebello? Uh, I I think there is some kind of involvement now. They they like her power. She she's really a pro style fighter. She's out for the knockout. She's not trying to win by by decision. Uh, because I you know like like you mentioned, she's 31 years old. So she has to be put on the fast track, and it looks like she has. You know, she started off. In June of 2019, against Paula Lisset Ramirez, who was a pro debuter, she won the United States. That was at the, the hangar in Costa Mesa. And then she fought another debuter who she knocked out in the first round, Tess Kilhammer. And then they kind of jumped up. Well, didn't jump up. She was 2-0, and and they went over to Phoenix, Arizona, and she won a United decision against Angela Lopez, who was 1-0. But then they really jumped up, and she took the O of Irvina White, who was 5-0, and with a four-round mm. unanimous decision. White was down once in rounds one and two. Then she fought Jessica Juarez, who's from San Diego. Um, and that was a good fight. Stopped her in the sixth round in Montebello. And then now with Aida Satibalona in an eight-rounder. So at 135 pounds, you know, she's considered the uh, number one – I find that interesting – the number one lightweight in – oh, but she's from – yeah, from uh, – is that is she's ranked on Barrick as the number one uh, active lightweight in the United States, which is pretty pretty interesting. Over oh, wow. Alicia, oh, Alicia's one thirty. Alicia's one thirty. I was thinking over Baumgartner, but on that list, fairly quickly here is Chelsea Anderson, who's number one. Hannah Turlap, who's number two. Chiara Duturi, who is number three. Alvina White, who's number four, and Mia Ellis. Uh, Bumblebee or Busy Bee or I remember who is five and one. Killer B. So uh, Stephanie Han is number nine, who is the sister of Jennifer Han. Um, and that's uh, these are active, obviously. So uh, pretty good. So we'll see how much more they build her up a little bit and then throw her to the wolves of the 135 pounders. So Chelsea Anderson, the new WBC international lightweight champion, and now on Saturday, August in Sheffield, uh, United Kingdom. Sandy Ryan scored a revenge with the unanimous decision over Argentinian Erika Farias in a 10-rounder for the international WBC 140-pound title. They fought 10 rounds for the same title in a different weight class. Yeah. Scores there were 98, 92, and 96, 94, two times. Pretty close, 96, 94, two times, David. What did you see in Sandy Ryan that she did different than the first time against Erika Farias, who won that first fight 
fairly is- easily, and now Sandy yeah. Ryan takes the uh, the rematch. I'm very impressed with Sandy Ryan. She made a lot of good adjustments. Uh, she fought very smart. She didn't fight with with uh, emotion like she did in the first fight, and uh, I, you know, I'm pretty impressed by her. I really like her style. She's tall. She's got some power. She's a tough girl, very tough. And um, she's one of those people that I think is going to improve uh, a lot. Uh, she's got a lot of room for improvement. And she's already good. So we'll see what happens in the, in the future. She hung t- uh, Fadius is, you know, very experienced. I really, She's hard to beat. I mean, you really got to be world-class to beat her. Now, did you see the same Farias um, that we saw in the first fight, or was there um, there was a decline? Because we kind of saw that in the second fight with Jessica McCaskill at 140 pounds, if you remember that. Um, was it Jessica McCaskill against Farias? Yeah. Remember there was a rematch? Yeah, and we kind of saw like a difference in Erika Farias, kind of like a, re- a decline. Did we see that? Uh, did we see that as well? In, in this fight or no? Uh, for me, um, I saw that she had a lot of trouble with the jab. Uh, that jab was really uh, keeping Farias at a distance. And it wasn't uh, – she was trying to lure her into a firefight, and it just didn't really happen as much as she wanted to. And I think she kind of got a little discouraged at the, toward the end. Uh, she tried her best, though, but she got she did get tired. I'm trying so hard to to get in. Hmm. Lupe, did you get a chance to watch the fight? And if so, uh, what did you see? Yeah, I did. I mean, I saw the same as, you know, I wasn't really sold on Sandy Ryan. And after watching her get her revenge over Erica Farias, I mean, like David said, she definitely made the adjustments. I mean, it wasn't exciting as a first fight to me, but Sandy this time, I mean, she threw more. She worked the ring a little better. While, and Erica didn't do what she did in the first fight. You know, it seemed like they switched. It was like switching to the personalities yeah. because that's what it looked like to me. Now, David, so now I'm being, being that, that Sandy Ryan beat Erika Farias in the second fight, and she was, like you mentioned, and we all know how experienced former two-divisional two world champion in Erika Farias, um, would you keep Sandy Ryan in that same level of all opposition, or do you think that they should have learned the lesson in the first fight and kind of scale it back a little bit. I mean, she's only she only has about six fights. I mean, what's the rush? I mean, let's see how old she is. Maybe scale it back a little bit and give her a couple of like, you know, very uh, lesson learning eight rounders, perhaps. She's only 28. She's not that old. She's four and one with two knockouts. Um, I mean, she's not young, young, but she's not old. She's fighting that super lightweight division, which is a division where you can kind of get to where you're going a lot sooner than at 112, 115, 120, 22, do you think that if you were her manager, would you scale it back a bit, or do you continue with that kind of, uh, of level of opposition? She only has five fights, uh, four and one. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it is because she uh, she still has stuff to learn, and uh, there, there really shouldn't be a rush. And I would kind of – not let her fight, you know, easy, easy marks, but just try to give her some more tools to work with before she starts fighting the, the Chantel Camerons and people like that. 
uh, I think she still needs a little bit more fine tuning. Um, I just keep her busy. I would, and then maybe by next year she's ready for a Cameron or a McCaskill, something like that. But I don't think she's really ready yet. She's uh, almost, almost. Yeah, I find it hard to believe that a fighter with less than ten fights is already fighting a world champion, even if it is, you know, an Erika Farias who we can easily admit that she's seen better days, but yeah. we fought in the first fight. And, you know, and according to Lupi, her assessment is that maybe Farias wasn't the same fight as we saw back in March in this new fight in August. And the one thing about Farias that we've seen throughout her career is that she's really not that consistent. She really is an up and down type of fighter. Um, but I think that they rushed Sandy Ryan into that fight a little bit too soon and hopefully they use that as a lesson and they move a little bit slower because I mean six more fights I mean the way that they're moving her a couple every couple of months or every three months I mean six fights it's a year and a half she'll be 30 years old and she'll have you know 10 and 1 I mean and she'll have all that experience so I think that that yeah. for me would be the way to go uh, the same day on Saturday August the 6th you want to say something David? Yeah, I think also uh, one other point I would bring up is uh, she's a marketable girl. She looks like somebody that they can really use to market women's boxing. Uh, you know, she just she's one of those people that you could put a do ads for and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot more to her than just fighting. I, I think I would use that if I were, you know, trying to get commercials for her stuff. What's that? Yeah. She's, she's a matchroom. So, I mean, it's not like there's a lack of fight cards or, or money to be able to kind of like pump the brakes a little bit and, and and take a little bit slow. And like you mentioned, market her uh, to a certain point where she could draw even more. She's a tall girl, five five inch, five feet, yeah. nine and a half feet. So. It's kind of like a model. Hey, she, can, she can do it. Can I add something? You know, yeah, I think you're right on slowing her down a little bit. There's a girl out of the U.K., Amy Timlin. She's really young, and she had most of her fights, like four or five of them in 2019, and she was winning. And then she fought, um, God, it was another gal from U.K., Carly Skelly. And then she draw, uh, was drawn split decision. And then the next year, 2021, coming out of COVID, they put her with that Mary Romero. And that's mm-hmm. when she got... Um, she was, uh, I think she quit on the stool. But mm-hmm. so they went from four round, four round, four round, and then six and ten, and then yeah. eight when she got knocked out. And then her last fight was a four rounder, and she won. I think they learned it. I'm hoping that's what they do with Sandy, something like that. I think you're yeah. right on that. And, yeah. and even, even more so, you know, she's only 22 years old, Amy, Amy Timlin, and she's at super bantamweight. So, you know, she they could have taken her her t- their time. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's match room. I don't know if it's if it's if it's the team saying, "Hey, we want to go fast. We want to go fast." But whoever's doing it, they need to uh, slow down. I mean, she fought uh, a one in five in her pro debut. She beat her by points. She fought an zero in five in her second fight. Beat her by points. Then she fought a five in thirty six and beat her by points in her third fight, which might give you the impression that she's ready, she's gaining experience. But a 5-36 from Europe, <laughs> compared to a 5-36 from the United States or Mexico, are two different beasts, okay? Mm-hmm. They, these 5-36 are fighting every two weeks, and they're losing. 
and they're not learning anything. They're just there as a punching bag. I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but the majority of them, that's the mm-hmm. case. I mean, you can't find the 536 in Mexico. I mean, you might, not anymore, and and definitely not in the United States. They get suspended indefinitely, you know, and we see that oh, yeah. in Europe all the time. Because her next, fight, her next opponent, who she went six rounds with, was a 20 and 72. Okay? So, and we've seen this kind of opponent out of Europe all the time. And just because you're beating a 20 and 72 and with eight draws, which is basically 100 fights, doesn't give you um, the experience, you know? I mean, Mm. wow. This young lady who is now 20 and 97 with eight draws, 10 knockouts. She's only been knocked out five times, though. That's not that bad. Out of 97 losses, (laughs) only five of them have been by knockout. She's only 29 years old. So wow. she's had hundreds. I mean, she's had a hundred fights. She started boxing. Hey, she as just a fought this weekend. Oh, hey, you know what? To stop me for a sec, she just fought this weekend to a girl, Nicole Hopewell, from England, who had two pro fights, but for some reason they didn't count. So it's her first time on BoxRec as her debut. She debuted against this Claudia, oh, and she knocked her out. Yeah, she knocked her out. Wow, this like, lady, come on. This Claudia Ferenzi, she's from Slovakia. She started fighting when she was 14 years old as a pro in 2007. She's not bad. Yeah, wow. and now she's not a bad fighter. Yeah, now it's. I mean, uh, after 100 fights, I hope I hope you learned something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who who is a girl from uh, Oklahoma? Who is a girl from Oklahoma in the early 2000s that used to fight like every week? I forget her name. Uh, she was really tiny. But man, by the time she got to her thirtieth fight, she could fight. She could fight. She was fighting top contenders and uh, holding her own. This kind of opponent you won't you won't find in, in uh, you won't find in the United States or Mexico and South or even in this in the Western Hemisphere. I mean, she's literally fighting every two weeks. But I want to see one where she fought, <laughs> where she got knocked out, and then she fought in the next couple of weeks because. That means she wasn't she didn't she wasn't given the enough uh, rest that you should be given yeah. after being knocked out. I mean, I mean, even though she's she's fighting four rounds on on you know in March and then she fights two months later. I mean, yeah, two months later. But then there's some fights that she did like 22 days later where she fought uh, for six rounds and then her next fight she lost a six rounder. One was against Milenta Tronto in 2012 and her next fight was against Eva Vorberger in a six round. I mean, she's still receiving punches and she's fighting 22 days later, you know? Wow. I mean, she doesn't really get knocked out, which is kind of impressive in its own. Okay. Yeah. Here's one. It she is. got knocked it out <laughs> 23rd and then she fought three months later. She won by knockout. So, well, there you have it. So then on the same day on Saturday, August 6th, but in Commerce, California, the two-time world title challenger, Sulem Urbina, scored a split decision win over a Venezuelan, Josep Vizcaino, in a six-rounder at 115 pounds. Scores there were 60-54, 59-55, and um, I think 58-56 for Vizcaino. That was a draw. Yeah. It was a yeah, majority decision. Okay, 58-58, which, David, I believe you were in the house. I mean... Yeah. I didn't get to yeah. watch the fight. Um, after what I saw was, on social media is that it was kind of the draw was kind of like out there, wasn't it? I mean, Urbina deserved to win a unanimous decision. 
yeah, yeah, I saw her winning all the rounds. But it, sometimes when you're a, a judge, you see the back. You're always getting the back so you don't see what's really going on. And I think that's what happened there. But uh, she won every round. They were very uh, competitive rounds, though. That girl from uh, Venezuela, is that where she, she was from? Yeah, Venezuela? From, I think, or Ecuador, Ecuador, something like that. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, very tough. Very tough girl. That girl was not, uh, she wasn't backing down, and, and Suleim was hit, hitting her with some rockets, and uh, nope, it wasn't deterring her at all. Very entertaining fight. Uh, Suleim looked sharp. Uh, she looked very uh, intent on going for the knockout, and she didn't get it, but, you know, at least uh, she gave the crowd what they wanted. It was pretty ba- uh, packed crowd. Now, it looked like it was pretty the- evenly matched. With with good, hey David, how was the power? What kind of power did you see coming out of him? Uh, I saw power. It's it's there, but it's more about timing. To me, it was like she has power, but it's coming at the wrong time. You know, it's like she sometimes when you want to get a knockout, it's not about hitting with full force when they see it coming. It's when hitting them with force when they don't see it and. Mm-hmm. She hasn't really mastered that yet. Okay. That's because that's where you get knockouts. It's when you don't see them, and they see the punches coming. Okay. Now, despite being challenging for a world title at flyweight and still being ranked at flyweight, after that fight, Suleiman Urbina on her social media started calling out the WBA super flyweight champion Clara Lescurat from. Uh, Argentina, who is 7-0 with three knockouts. The WBC super flyweight champion is Lourdes Juarez, who's going to be defending her title in Mexico on October 1st against wow. Aline Gonzalez. Um, with Sonia Osorio, the interim champion, defending her title against Adelaida Ruiz on is it September 8th right, in Costa Rica. Yeah, and we'll talk about yeah. that in a little bit. The IBF champion is Micaela Lujan, who is 10-1 with one draw, three knockouts. And then the WBO champion is newly crowned Tamao Ozawa, 17-5 with six knockouts. So let's look at Clara Lescurat, who, who surprisingly only has one uh, first name, despite being from Argentina, who is 7-0 with three knockouts. She's 34 years old. She captured the title uh, in her last fight against Mexican Maribel Ramirez uh, with the with the split decision. Scores there were 99-91 and 98-92 for La, uh, for Lescura and 96-94 for Maribel Ramirez. Before that, she had beaten Natalie Delgado for the WBO Gold World Super Flyweight title, which was vacant, which is kind of like a lower echelon the, I didn't know they were doing the gold title for women, and that was a split decision as well. With at the 96 and 94, 98, 92 for Lescura, and 96, 94 for Delgado. Before that, she was a WBA Federal Latin flyweight champion, also a vacant title, and she beat a one and two and one fighter, Jusbeli Torrealba, in an eight rounder, scored a third round TKO. So out of the, and she actually has a unanimous decision of Rosca, Roxana Bermudez who is one of the Bermudez sisters in, in Argentina uh, back in 2021. Um, but out of the world title list that I mentioned, 
Lourdes Juarez, Micaela Luján, and Kamal Ozawa. There's no denying that Lescura is possibly the weakest link out of them. So it's very smart of Solem Urbina to call out Lescura and try to go for that title. But I would imagine if Solem Urbina really wants to be a player for that fight and for that title, she would have to go to Argentina and take very, very, very short money to to oh. face her and to get the opportunity. I- I heard that she may be fighting in November uh, with Golden Boy. I heard that too. I, but she on Golden Boy. Yeah, with, Golden with, Boy. on a Golden Boy show. Well, let's, oh. let's talk about that a little bit because, well, let's 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 di- let's deep dive a little bit in that. So, Jackie Jackie Calvo, who is the flyweight silver champion. She was looking for an opponent for a fight that she had scheduled for September 13th, so much so that um, they were calling around looking for different fighters, and they settled on Paulette Valenzuela, who we last saw challenging for the WBO Super Bantamweight title. But she had dropped down to 115 pounds and was willing to even sacrifice and drop down to 112 to face Jackie Calvo. According to Paulette Valenzuela, she had a signed contract. Well, Calvo, well, I don't know if Calvo directly, but her team let uh, Paulette know that the fight wasn't going to happen anymore. For no, re- no reason was given, no, disregarding the signed contract, there's no fight on the 13th of September against Jackie Calvo. Later, it was rumored that they are looking. They were look, that Jackie Calvo said no to September 13th, even though the fight was going to be in her hometown and all that, kind of like a homecoming after winning the title, because they're offering her a fight in November against Sulem Urbina on a Golden Boy card in the United States, which makes total oh. sense, more money, right? Yeah. But yeah. just yesterday, if not the day before, somebody on Twitter asked Sulem Urbina if there were if that was true, and Sulem Urbina said no, that there has been no talks and that it has not been mentioned to her. Now, that's Sulem Urbina publicly. We don't know what is being said behind closed doors and whether the fight is being negotiated and Urbina just doesn't want to come out publicly and say it because obviously you don't want to say anything until that fight yeah. is actually made. So, but I mean, Paulette Valenzuela already has a fight scheduled for September 10th here in Tijuana. I guess Isel Reyes, nothing to write home about. And it's going to be at super flyweight, so I don't think she's going to be moving down to um, to uh, flyweight. But if the rumor is true, and Sulem Rubina does face Jackie Calvo, and it is for the WBC silver title, then it looks like at least for the time being, Sulem Rubina is going to be staying at 112 pounds. So we go to the same night on Saturday, August 6th from Fort Worth, Texas, Marlene Esparza scored a unanimous decision over Eva Guzman in a 10-rounder to defend her WBC and WBA 112-pound titles. Scores there were 99-91 and 98-92 two times. How much of a fight did Eva Guzman put up Lupi against Marlene Esparza? Eva Guzman came to fight, and she proved it at the weigh-ins. That, it was really exciting. I mean, you could just tell that little girl, she's 4'11", and she is feisty. I mean, um, Marlene proved, too. She really did. She she improved every time. But Guzman answered to everything she brought. I mean, she might have missed. She might not have. She, she brought the excitement. 
Um, it was just really good inside fighting by both, and I love the inside, the power, the punches, and the speed. I thought it was it was a really really entertaining fight. I like Guzman. David. Yeah, I agree with everything Lupe said. Uh, uh, especially the part about fighting, you know, inside. Uh, and uh, I thought uh, I was shocked actually because I saw her record. I saw the girls that she beat. I'm talking about Guzman, and uh, you know these girls that were like no fights, one fight, two fights, and she's beating a bunch of nobodies. And then she comes and gives uh, Marlon hell, and I was like, wow, that's pretty good. I mean, it seems like if she just gets a little bit more fine tuning, she's going to be a beast. She already is. Well, let's see how much of an opportunity she gets being from Venezuela coming to the United States. I mean, I'm sure they're going to build her up back home, but. Let's see when we get a chance to see Eva Guzman again. And then let's see what is next for Marlene Esparza. I mean, the WBA, I mean, Eva Guzman was a WBA mandatory challenger. And as of right now, Marlene Esparza technically doesn't have a, a mandatory challenger for the WBC. And as we all know, female, the, or, the organization, WBC, WBA, WBO, IBF, forget that WBO, um, don't really push for mandatory, they did it this time for whatever reason. Now, let's see if the WBC allows Marlene Esparza to do a, a voluntary and then push for a mandatory for the WBC, which may or may not happen, or may the WBC may or may not push. But num- rank number one for the WBC is former lightweight cha- light flyweight champion Kenny Enriquez. Um, so she could be the mandatory unless they make her um, eliminate herself against the number two who is uh, La Roca Zamora, Ibel La Roca Zamora. But we would have to see if the WBC is even they got, they got to give her a shot. Yeah, but let's see, if the, let's see if it comes to the WBC because, you know, the WBA told Esparta, either you defend against our mandatory or we're going to strip you, and she decided to do so. But if the WBC doesn't say that to Marlene, she can keep fighting whoever she wants. Now, the WBC convention is up in November. I'm sure Kenny Enrique's team is going to make an appearance there and ask for the WBC to do something um, uh, regarding that. But, you know, first they have to go and ask, and the WBC has to reciprocate and give an answer. So let's see what happens. Absolutely. That's a, good, that's a great fight, in fact. That'll yeah, be that Marlon's... Biggest obstacle since uh, well, since she lost to Sanisa. Yeah. Moving on to Saturday, August 20th in Argentina, Micaela Milagros Luján defending her 115-pound IBF title with the majority decision over Mexican Ilma Garcia. Scores were 98, 90, 92, and 97. Oh man, I got it all messed up right here. 98, 92, and 97. I would imagine 97, 93 for Luján, and then an even 95. In 95. And lastly, in our rear view, Saturday, August 20th from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, Ramla Ali in her second fight in about six weeks, scored a first round TKO or knockout over Cristo Garcia Nova of the Dominican Republic in a scheduled eight rounder. Ramla Ali's first eight rounder scores there. Uh, well, actually, the time was there was 105. It was 122 pounds. I actually, I was there. At the, at, the, at the fight card, and I ran into, I forgot the gentleman's name, 
but he's from Germany and he's a chairman of the WBC female division. He's been oh, the okay. chairman for a long time. And he yeah, mentioned um, to me that, I forgot his name, um, but he's a really friendly guy. I first met him at the first convention, the WBC uh, convention in Cancun, the first female boxing WBC convention in Cancun. Um, I met him there and uh, I ran into him at the public workout where Ramla Ali was not invited and she had a way in fully clothed as, as well as her opponent, which was interesting because, you know, being in Saudi Arabia, uh-huh. that was the rule. Um, I do not know if, if they actually weighed in with, you know, traditionally how they do it everywhere else in the world with, you know, a top and, and, and some shorter shorts, but here they were wearing leggings and, and, uh, and fully clothed, you know, in sports attire, but, but fully clothed. Um, so I don't know if that weight was even accurate because they weighed like right around 122 pounds fully clothed. So I find that uh, pretty, uh, pretty hard to believe. Um, but I'm trying to find the guy's name. But anyways, um, he mentioned to me that the actual promotion had asked for that fight to be some kind of world title, or not a title, but some kind of title for um, for uh, Ramla Ali, and he declined. He mentioned that first he wanted to see her in this first eight-rounder, and then after that um, see what she could do um, against, I would believe, a more – experienced opponent, being that she's a bantamweight, let's see where she's at in the bantamweight, uh, super bantamweight uh, ratings, at least with the WBC. Uh, Where is she at? Right here. Let's see where she's ranked. The the champion there is Jamiles Mercado, who it was just announced earlier this week that she would be making her fourth defense against none other than than Mariana Lavari Juarez in November. Um, the number one rank is Jackie Nava, who is going to be fighting her last fight as a professional on October 1st against a very, very, uh, uh, I don't even want to say easy, but a very uh, accessible opponent. Then we have the number two uh, rank fighter from Frank Segolin Lefebvre, who is the WBO champion. Mariana Juarez is number three. Catherine Freed is number five, who was the former world champion. Maureen Shea who fights and fights but doesn't fight anybody of, of a name is number six. And Ramla Ali is not ranked at 122 pounds. Let me let me try Bantamweight just in case. The champion is Julian Luna. Dina Torsen is number one. Jamie Mitchell is number three. Shannon O'Connor number four. The IBF champion number five, Ebony Bridges. Nope. Uh, Ramla Ali is not ranked at uh, 118 pounds either. So for them to ask for a world title, not a world title opportunity, but some kind of regional title or something like that, I think it was a little bit uh, soon in her career. Don't you think, uh, David? Uh, yeah, I think um, I like the changes she's make, making. Uh, she's improved rapidly. I mean, Maddie really has her uh, – Standing her ground. I mean, she stood her ground against a puncher. And I was a little surprised because I think uh, uh, the other girl, what was her name, Krista Garcia? I think she yeah. thought yeah. she was going to back Ramla back, and Ramla just stood her ground and pow, over just loaded on her. And I was uh, I, mean, I was pretty impressed. And they're making so a, a pretty, 
and they're doing a pretty nice jump in opposition. I mean, not with this last fight. I think we expected a little bit more for Crystal Nova. I mean, Crystal Garcia. But I mean, she in her pro debut, she faced a one and zero fighter, and then she went against a three and eight Beck Connolly, who even though has a upside down record, we all know Beck Connolly is a tough opponent. Then she went against another tough opponent with a uh, upside down record in Micaela Neville. And then she took on a 1-0 in Isa, Isela Vera, Shelly Barnett, who was 5-6, who is also a tough fighter. Then she kind of started moving on to, you know, um, positive records in opponents with Agustina Rojas, who was 6-1 in her last fight back in July. And then Cristo Garcia Nova, who was 10-2. But being from the Dominican Republic, I mean, no, uh, no disrespect, but they seem to get a little bit of inflated records a 10 and 2 is not really a 10 and 2 from the Dominican Republic. So let's see what is next for Ramla Ali. I would imagine the way that they're building, the way that they're fighting her and how consistent they are and how often, I'm thinking she's going to fight one more time before the end of the year, Lupi. Who, Ramla? Yeah. I would say so. I mean, she's working hard in LA and she's got Manny Robles behind her and I would say so. She looked disappointed that she couldn't go on after that first, what was it, 30 seconds or a minute and a half? She looked like she still wanted to keep going. And I wonder how soon she's going to be back in L.A. because I know that she did stay after in Jeddah and she made her pilgrimage to Mecca, um, which was Mm. about an hour away from Jeddah. Um, So she did make her pilgrimage to Mecca um, later after the fight. So I don't know if she's back in the U.K., if she's back in L.A., but uh, the sooner she gets back to LA, the sooner she can start working with Manny Robles, and I'm sure that they'll be able to program her in one of the fight cards mm-hmm. that they have uh, scheduled uh, before the end of the year. Now we're moving on to fight chatter and oh, the big news. Oh, Felipe Malte. Yeah. Uh, the WBC Say chairman. His, his name is Malte, uh, right? Malte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really nice but guy. But he always has a hard last name. I can never remember. Yeah, he's a German dude. Really nice guy. He yeah, actually did a state for the fight. He actually mentioned to me that he writes for a magazine back in Germany. He went and covered a little bit of the pre-fight oh. uh, events in Jeddah, and then he was going to fly back to Germany before the, even the fight card happened on Saturday. So, um, mm. so he didn't even stay for the fight. But moving on to the fight chatter, it was announced today, actually, that uh, Chantel Cameron will defend her IBF and WBC super lightweight world titles against current undisputed welterweight champion Jessica McCaskill on November 5th in Abu Dhabi, in Dubai. This is part of the this new championship series that Matchroom Boxing and Eddie Hearns signed with the government of Dubai. Now, it was announced as undisputed, and the rumor mill on social media is saying that Callie Reese, who is the WBO and WBA champion, um, is probably going to either vacate or restrict because um, she is in the middle of filming um, a TV show on HBO called True Detective with Jodie Foster. So obviously she's not going to be fighting anytime soon. Um, so it's expected for her to get stripped or to be to vacate the titles, being that they're being announced as this fight is being announced as an undisputed super lightweight championship. David, do you think that is the case? Um, well, I guess I have to formally make an announcement regarding that, but uh, I mean, it's possible. It's possible. 
that they can do undisputed, but I don't see how because that's two titles. It's not just one title. It's two titles, and two organizations have to be willing to to give it to uh, to two women that already have titles. I don't know. That's a long shot. I, I think it's going to happen because, I mean, there's going to yeah. be – I think there's money involved. Um, now, here's the interesting part. Are they going to make it for the Ring magazine? Because Jessica McCaskill holds the Ring the Ring title. Actually, it is going to be for the Ring because the Ring champion is Chantel Cameron. So if Jessica McCaskill beats her, she's going to be the Ring champion as well, which to me doesn't matter. Oh. I don't care about the title, but I just wanted to see if they're going to make it for that for that uh for that hmm. title as well. They probably will. If Jessica McCaskill ends up beating Chantel Cameron, she would win. She would win the Ring Championship. Um, there's no way that the Ring Magazine would not make uh, the Ring Champion at 147 and the Ring Champion at 140 for it not to be for the Ring title. So that is what's going to happen. Now, Rick Ramos, who is the trainer slash manager of Jessica McCaskill, claims that this is the two, number two most anticipated fight in the history of female boxing, with number one being Taylor Serrano. I mean, that's the way that I understood his tweet on, on social media. I don't know if that's what mm-hmm. he meant or if he meant that it was the number Sounds two like most anticipated fight this year, which might that might be um, Savannah, I mean, Savannah, uh, Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall. So, I mean, Rick Ramos, manager slash trainer, He's doing what he does best for McCasco, and that's to promote her. But mm-hmm. I don't think the people in the know that no female boxing would call this the number two most anticipated fight in history of female boxing, let alone the most, the number two most anticipated one this year. I think people are looking at shit. I mean, if you ask me personally, I'm looking. I mean, to me, the number two is Michaela Mayer against Alicia Baumgartner. The number three is Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall, and then maybe number four, Cameron against Jessica McCaskill. That's just my That's opinion. That's exactly what I was thinking, Felipe. <laughs> How about you, David? That's exactly. I, I think um, the number two already happened. was um, Michaela Mayer and uh, Habadouche, because that was a pretty anticipated fight. True. That was back mm-hmm. in, uh, when was that, March? March, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's, but that's true. For ones that haven't happened, you know, I would go with yeah, the list yeah. that I gave and, and Lupe agreed yeah, and yeah. David agreed as well. So there you go. Yep. My, no, actually it was last year, David, November of oh. last year. Oh. My Muhammad wow. was November last year. And then, <laughs> and then Mayer defended against uh, Jennifer Hahn back in April, on my birthday, April 9th. Oh, so, that's right. That's right. Oh. So our next scheduled show is on September 14th. But before we go to our next scheduled show, we have a little bit of the upcoming calendar. Starting on Thursday, September the 1st from Tokyo, Japan, we have Nanei Suzuki facing Yuko Kuroki in a 10-rounder for the WBO Atomweight title. And on the same card, which is pretty interesting, you don't see this often, Ayaka Miyao will face Mika Iwakawa for the IBF 102-pound title. So we can only imagine that sometime before the end of the year or in early 2023, the winners of those two fights should be facing each other 
for an un, for an undisputed a unification yeah. not disputed I'm sorry a unification bout for the WBO and IBF champions at 102 pounds in Japan more than likely and on Friday September second yeah. go ahead David they'll be fighting they'll be fighting right now actually because of the time difference that fight is going oh, on right now. right now in yeah. Tokyo because Thursday it's already Thursday there yeah let me see. Let's see what time it is in Tokyo real quick. Because they wouldn't fight at night, so Tokyo. It's 12.22, so they got about another eight hours to go before they fight. Eight hours, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they're going to be fighting sooner than later over in Japan, and we'll fight tomorrow morning. We'll find out who the winners are between Nanai Suzuki and Yuko Kurokoki, Kuroki for the WBO 102-pound title, and uh, Ayaka Miyao and Mika Iwakawa for the IBF 102-pound title. And on Friday, September 2nd, from Culiacán, Mexico, we have Maria Guadalupe Bautista, who is the regular WBA light, flyweight champion, is going to be facing Jacqueline Trejo in a scheduled eight-rounder non-title fight. But I find it very interesting that the WBA is allowing this fight to happen, even though it's not for the title, but to put some kind of restrictions because Bautista's record is 20 wins, 11 losses, two draws with four knockouts, and her opponent scheduled in her first eight-rounder is Jacqueline Trejo, who, is, who has one win, five losses, and one draw with one knockout. I believe that is her first scheduled uh, eight-rounder, wow. but let me, let me double-check that. And, and that's just – I mean, it's not, it doesn't have nothing to do with the WBA. It has to do more with the, with the commission. Yeah, she's fought – she fought a four rounder, four rounder, six rounder, four rounder, four rounder, six rounder, four rounder, and now she's jumping up to an eight rounder against a fighter that has about three times her uh, experience and uh, current world champion. So there you yeah. have it. And on Saturday, September third, from the UK, Natasha Jones will face will face Patricia Bergut in a ten rounder for the WBC and WBO one hundred four pound titles. Jones going up. She's a Natural lightweight, doing most of her things at lightweight, and now jumping up to uh, to 150. Super welterweight. Wow. Super welterweight. Yeah, 150. Super welterweight. Yeah, super welterweight. She won the WBO title against Chris Namus, stopping her in two rounds back in February, but before that, back in May of 2021, she had she had um. Challenge Katie Taylor for all the marbles at 135 pounds, and then and then after that fight, she did a fight at 140, jumped up to 150, and now she's going to be defending and challenging for the WBC title at super welterweight. And another one that's doing a jump like that later on this year is former 130-pound champion Terry Harper, who is going up also to 154 pounds to challenge wow. uh, world champion um, Anna Ranking. And that's oh. happening later on this year. Let me see if it's already on here so I can tell you exactly when it's happening. Uh, 12 and 1. Yep, that's going to happen on September 24th in Nottingham Arena in Nottingham. Hannah Rankin, who holds the WBA Super Welterweight title, is being challenged by former 130-pound champion Terry Harper. So that's a little bit of a, uh, of a trend, at least we're seeing out of the English fighters, Natasha Jonas, going from 135 to 154, and now Crazy. Terry Harper, who is tall enough to carry the weight, but being yeah. that a fight ago, 
She had fought at two fights ago. She she lost her title to Alicia Baumgartner at 130 pounds. Her last fight was at 133 and a quarter pounds, so 135, um, which was back in March. And now she's jumping up about nearly 20 pounds to challenge a natural super welterweight and a ranking for the WBA world title. So that's going to be happening on September 24th, but we will have a show before that on September 14th. Also on Saturday, September 3rd, from Hermosillo, Mexico on the zone, Erika Cruz will be having a rematch against Jelena Moranovic for the 126-pound WBA title in a scheduled 10-rounder. Cruz beat Moranovic for that same title a couple years ago, a year and a half ago. I think it was in Puerto Rico. Um, that was at West Point. At West Point in New York? Yeah. Now, we have found out after the fact, and not that it's an excuse or a reason, but Moranovic was going through a tough time back then because she had just lost her longtime trainer. I mean, the guy that basically made her, he had just passed away, and she ended up defending the title and losing it to Erica Cruz. Is that a big enough factor, or do you think we're just going to see a repeat of the first fight, Erica? I mean, uh, with Erica Cruz winning again, Lupi? Um, I personally think it's going to be the same thing. When I heard it, I was kind of like, why? You know, why, Jelena? But, you know, I mean, she wants to get back in there and see if she can do it. But I'm going with Erica. Now, that fight was back in um, – that fight was back in uh, April of 2021, right? And Miranovic, has she had a fight before that? No, she has not had a fight since April of 2001. And before that, she had not fought since December of 2020. So in the last two years, this is going to be only her second fight. Um, so mm-hmm. things are getting very, very tough for Jelena Maranovic, who is up there. She's she's about 40. 40. She just turned 40 years old. So I see. I think that if she ends up on the losing end of this, I think that's the end of uh, Jelena Maranovic as a professional fighter. I'm not, uh, who am I to say? But we could only imagine that that's what's going to happen after only having two fights in the last two years. Also, on mm-hmm. Thursday, September the 8th, from San Jose, Costa Rica, on the zone, pretty good female fight card happening um, from Golden Boy and Martin Nation. Yocasta Valle will be facing uh, D2 Ni- Nien from Vietnam, unifying the IBF and WBA titles at 105 pounds. Sonia Osorio will look to defend her WBC interim 115-pound title against Adelaida Reese in their second go-around. And former world champion Anabel Ortiz will face world title challenger Maria Michel in an eight-rounder at 108 pounds. That fight, all three fights are fairly interesting. I think I don't see Valle against Nien being that much, that competitive. That Yen, according to David, I didn't get to watch the fight, but David did, basically was given that title, the WBO title. The Sonia Osorio yeah. and Lila Reese is a good fight, but I think Reese is very, very, very good, world elite. So I think it's not going to be as competitive. But the one that I see pretty competitive is that Anabel Ortiz, Maria Michel. I think Ortiz is a better fighter, not a better boxer, a better fighter, but I think Michelle's uh, 
size advantage is what's going to help her make it a competitive fight against Anabel Ortiz. So on September 8th, Thursday, I'm going to be glued to my TV because I'm really interested in watching these three <laughs> fights, Lupi. Me too. I didn't know that it turned into an all-female card. And you know the other day when I told you that somebody had COVID, was that old? That was the first one? Sonia versus Cobra? Well, the first fight, uh, no, it, was a it, cut. it ended It ended in a no contest because uh, Osorio suffered a, a head, an accidental headbutt and a cut before the fourth yeah, round, yeah. so it was named yeah. in no contest. And then they, they rescheduled it for recent, I think it was going to be in August, and Osorio contacted COVID. So that fight didn't happen, and then it got moved to this okay. fight card here on, uh, on, on September 8th in San Jose, Costa Rica. On Friday, September 9th in Montreal, Canada, Mary Spencer faces Cynthia Lozano in a 10-rounder at 154 pounds for the WBA International and WBC Silver Super Welterweight titles. And the fight that we've been waiting for for the last couple of months, the fight card, all-female fight card from London, England, it's going to be oh, yeah. broadcast on ESPN September 10th. Clarissa Shields will face Savannah Marshall to unify the 160-pound IBF, WBA, WBC, and WBO titles. Marshall holds that WBO title, whereas Clarissa Shields holds the IBF, WBA, and WBC. And Michaela Mayer will look to unify her WBC and well, actually, I'm sorry, the IBF and WBO titles with Alicia Baumgartner's WBC title at 130 pounds in a scheduled 10-rounder. That's going to be a great, great fight. My personal number two most anticipated fight of 2022, with number one obviously being Taylor Serrano and number three, Clarissa Shields against Savannah Marshall. David, what do you think about that fight card? What can we expect from Shields and Marshall and Mayer and Baumgartner? Uh, I think all the fights are pretty good. I mean, I, even the ones that nobody really knows about, those are pretty good too. They did a good job putting this fight card together. Uh, I'm, su- I'm surprised that uh, whoever was matchmaking did a great job. Um, uh, those the major fights the, between uh, the Americans and uh, and also the American and the Brit, that's a those are great fights. I mean, if you like women's boxing, those are the ones you, you want to watch because uh, that's it's going to be history. Whoever wins yeah. out of those are going to be stars for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be pretty pretty awesome, and that's going to be on ESPN Plus here in the United States. So our next show is scheduled for September 14th, where we're going to be talking about all these fights and whatever else more news comes up. So with that said, from Mrs. Lupi Gutierrez and Mr. David Avila, I'm Felipe Leon, and we bid you good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.